we haven't met, I'm Dominic, and uh, one of the pastor elders here. Like Chad said, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1 today. Um, we're in the middle of a 15-week series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit, but this week we called a little bit of an audible, and um, today we're going to be talking about fear, and specifically that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And for those in the room today who battle on and off or maybe regularly um, anxiety, this is for you today as well. Um, I know that fear and anxiety are often like close related cousins and uh, often the root of anxiety can be fear. So when I refer to fear today throughout the sermon, if it's helpful, it may be helpful if you even replace it with the word anxiety. The title of the sermon is Not a Spirit of Fear. Let's pray together. Lord, you're a good and all-knowing God. And you know exactly what your kids need before we even know that we need to ask. Thank you that you know every heart in here today. Thank you that you see every anxious heart, every fearful heart. See every heart just wrapped up and not free. And thank you that you have good for us and you are out for our good and for your glory. And so we ask for both today, Lord. We ask for our good and we ask for your magnification and your exaltation. You're the God of all truth. So we ask you'd speak truth into our lives. lives, And where there's been lies, we ask that you would combat those things with truth. We now together, let's do this together, church, we open our ears to hear, Lord, what you want to say to us, open our eyes to see what you want us to see, our minds to comprehend, and our hearts to feel what you want us to today. I submit my mouth to you, Lord, my plans, the things that I've prepared, my mind, I ask that you'd speak to us. With my brothers and sisters, I say, Lord, speak to your people, our ears are open. In Jesus' name, amen. Fear. Fear is often the great crippler um, in the life of the Christian. And so today, honestly, I just want to call out fear for what it is. I want to expose it for what it is. And the prayer is that people would be delivered from crippling fear today. We've talked a lot over the last couple of months about how it seems like God has been speaking prophetically, which is something that he does, by the way. We'll talk about that more in two weeks as we speak about the gift of prophecy. But that God has been speaking in a prophetic way. Prophetic means a specific word to a specific people at a specific time. It doesn't have to be weird or freaky or whatever. Specific word, specific people, specific time. God has been speaking prophetically to Reality Ventura that he is wanting to tear down walls in people's lives. And that Walls like dams can hold back and prevent the full waters and flow of God from flowing in our lives. They can prevent us from receiving the fullness of God's power and his presence and his purpose or his promises in our lives. 
and he has been tearing down walls. Some of you in here have like experienced, whoa, dude, just crazy breakthrough. And some of us are still waiting for that breakthrough, so to speak. Maybe today is the day. So as I alluded to, uh, I was supposed to preach on a different topic this week, but as I was praying and preparing earlier on in the week, it seemed like there was a different thing that God wanted to say. Um, I believe this is what God is wanting to say. I believe it's for us. I pray that it will be helpful for us today. It's not going to be an exhaustive Bible study. It might be exhausting, I don't know, but it's not going to be exhaustive as in wide and broad and entirely complete without any cracks. Exhaustive Bible study on fear, but these are some things that I believe God wants to speak to us today. So you should be up into Joshua chapter 1. Little backstory here. Uh, the children of Israel have been delivered from their slavery in Egypt. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses has just died, and God is about to bring his people into the promised land. And there they are on the east side of the Jordan before they will cross over into the Jordan where Jericho is. This is a few days before they're going to march around the walls of Jericho. We're looking at really verse 9 of Joshua chapter 1, but let's start reading in verse 1 just to get some context. I'll be reading and preaching mostly out of the CSB today, the Christian Standard Bible. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan into the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River. All the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you have success wherever you go. The book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And here it is. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So here they are. They've been set free from slavery in Egypt. And now the fulfillment of the promises of God are standing before them. What God had promised for generations and generations is standing before them. And God says, this is yours. This land is yours. They haven't even gone yet. And he's like, this is your land. This is what I've given to you. Even though you haven't taken hold of it yet, this is what is yours. And today, some of us are in that same place. I really do believe that God has land for us to take. It's not necessarily physical land. It's not necessarily where it's going to be like, whoa, like blessing and honey and money or whatever. I'm not saying that necessarily, but land for us to inhabit, things for us to step into as he did for Israel. But they were afraid. And how do we know where they were afraid? Well, God tells them to not be afraid. And the God of the universe, who's all-knowing, doesn't tell people to not be afraid unless they are afraid. But fear is the adversary of faith and trust in God. And if they were going to step into the land where there was giants, 
and war, they were going to need faith and trust in God. That was going to be the only way that they could inhabit the land. They had to surrender and bank on God. They didn't have skills to be able to go in and take the land without God fighting for them. They needed to walk in faith in God. But fear is the great adversary of faith in God. So God says, fear not, because fear can literally prevent you from stepping into the promises and walking in the promises of God and from taking the land, whatever that is in your life. So God says to his people, not only comforting words, which they are, but also critical words when he says to them, do not be afraid. Romans 8.15 says that you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God has not given us a spirit of bondage to fear. Why does, why does he say that? And why does Paul say again? He has not given you a spirit of bondage again to fear. Because before Christ, that is exactly what we had, was a spirit of bondage to fear. Fear is the great enemy of faith in God, and God calls it out through Paul the Apostle here in Romans 5. He says, you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. This is not who you are anymore. You are not a slave. When you're a slave in bondage, you only get to do whatever your slave master, in this case fear, tells you to do. And the slave master, fear, wants to keep you on the east side of the Jordan River, so to speak. The slave master, fear, wants to keep you from stepping into, through the River Jordan and into, onto the West Bank and into the Promised Land. Stepping out is scary, right? Stepping out in faith is scary sometimes. The next day or two in Joshua 3, they're going to step into the River Jordan that is overflowing its banks, it says. And they're going to have to cross it. That's scary. Who knows if they're going to get like swept up or not? There's a flowing river overflowing its banks. But God's point is, but I'm with you. But I'm with you. So you don't have to be afraid. Because you'll see if you keep reading in Joshua chapter 3, once they start walking in, God, as he always does, provides a way through. And there in Joshua 3, we step, see them step into the Jordan before it was ever parted. Before it was ever parted, by the way. Some of us are like, in our lives, we're like, Lord, just, just part the river. Just make the way obvious and I'll walk through, Lord. I'll step out in faith. Just open the door, Lord. Just give me the money for that thing. I'll go. Just provide another job and I'll quit this one that you've been telling me to quit. Just part the river and I'll walk through. And God's like, why don't you start walking through and I'll part the river. That's what he did with them in Joshua chapter 3 here. He always makes a way. But was there something to be afraid of? Yeah. Of course there was. And there is with us. Listen, they weren't warriors. They weren't prepared for battle. They'd just been wandering the wilderness for 40 years. They weren't fighting a bunch of people. Even the like buff slaves who had been in Egypt were dead by now, right? A whole generation had died. It's 40 years later. They weren't ready for this. They were ill-equipped and unprepared. So of course they were scared. But that... Fear is not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. We'll look at it in a minute. So God says, that's not of me. God says, 
Fear not. Stepping out in faith can create fear. And stepping into what God has for you can also be scary. But when you're standing at the crossroads, you have two choices. You can either walk in fear or you can walk in faith. You can either operate in fear or you can operate out of a place of faith. It's one or the other and they are contrary to one another. But today, I don't want to talk anymore about what fear can do. We already know what fear can do in our lives. Some of us right now are experiencing the brunt of it. Some of us are like, dude, I feel like... I'm under, like, a, there's a spirit of fear. Like, I feel like I'm under. If there's a spirit of bondage to fear, like Paul says, I feel like, I know God hasn't given me that, but man, I feel like chained to that. Well, God is wanting to set us free today from that. If you feel trapped and crippled by fear, we know what fear can do. What I want to talk about today is what do we do then with fear? We know it's there. But let's expose it, and what do we do with it? And that's how I want to spend the rest of the time here. There's four things. Number one, when it comes to dealing with fear, we first walk in truth. Number one, we walk in truth. Jesus said it is the truth that sets you free. If fear binds us up, then we need something to set us free, and it is the truth that sets you free. So we walk in the truth. And truth number one is that fear is not of God. The title of today's sermon, Not a Spirit of Fear, comes from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last five or six weeks. Well, this is the same word for spirit, pneuma. There's a Holy Spirit, but God's saying... You, you, got a, you got the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in you is, is working power in you, love in you, a sound mind in you. But he has not given you a spirit, same word, pneuma. He's not given you a spirit of fear. The spirit that God has given us is one of power, love, and a sound mind. The word sound mind is this ancient Greek word that implies peace and calm and collected mind. In the face of what can be confusing, confusing and panic usually connected with fear. And over and over, Gary told me earlier, over 50 times in the Bible, God says, do not fear. Because fear is the great enemy of faith in God. And we can't do anything without faith in God. So we need to recognize that fear is not of God. And if it's not of God, then he will give us everything that we need to overcome in the face of it. We walk in truth. The, the second truth, truth number two, is that fear is a liar. Fear, like all enemies of God, is all bark but no bite. No teeth. All bark but no bite. But fear does bark loud sometimes, right? Like, you hear a dog that barks loud. I don't care if it has teeth or not. Like, you're scared, right? Sometimes fear barks loud. So fear says... Don't let go. You're going to lose control. Don't let go and give up control to God. You're going you're gonna to lose control. You're going to be out of control. But it's a liar because God says you won't lose control. You are surrendering control. You're surrendering it to me, the one who's better at being in control in the first place. Fear says Dude, don't step out into the unknown. It is unknown. It's unknown. What if there's no step out there? 
Like you're standing at the edge and it's like, but God, I can't see. Like the door isn't open yet. The, the, the river isn't parted yet. Lord, I, the provision isn't there yet. And God's like, go. And you're like, but I can't. There's no step. And the Lord is like, I am your step. I am your path. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the good shepherd who leads you in paths of righteousness. Fear says, but what if? Fill in the blank. But God says, but I am. Fill in the blank. What is the need? God is that and so much more. Fear says to some people here today, don't, don't come clean about that habitual sin that you've been living in. It's going to wreck that relationship. It's going to wreck your reputation. You can, you can figure this out. You just, just buck up. You can figure this out on your own. But God says, confess your sins to one another that the people might pray for you, that you might be healed. God says, only when you bring what is hidden into the light and expose it can you actually deal with it. I think God says to some men, some husbands in here today, some fathers in here maybe today, that um, fear says, you have to be a slave to your job. You have to work whatever it is, 60, 70, maybe 80 hours a week because your family's not going to be happy if not. If you don't be a slave to your work, you're not a man. If you don't work like that, you're not a man. If you don't worry about your finances, who will worry about your finances? But God says, don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about what you're going to put on your body or in your mouth. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and everything that you need will be given to you. God says, working 70 hours a week doesn't make you a man. You being my son is what makes you a man. Working 70 hours a week as a family man makes you a slave, but you're a son. Don't be a slave, guys, when God has called you to be a son. And don't let fear lie to you and tell you that your world is going to fall apart if you don't keep that up. What's going to happen is your family will fall apart. If you're a husband here today, your primary job, you can call it a ministry if you want, your primary ministry is to serve your wife, to lay down your life for your wife like Christ laid down his life for the church. And you can't do that if you're not home. Because laying down your life doesn't mean being gone, it means being home so you can actually live sacrificially, so you can actually bear the burden of her, so you can actually take on what is heavy on her. You can actually carry the load, you can actually release her. That's what it means to lay down your life. And I'm not trying to bring condemnation at all. Do not be condemned, but you do need to get free. I know your heart is probably good and you want to provide, but you're a slave. And God is saying, son, you're a son. Don't live like a slave. So fear is a liar. And it will keep us from walking in what God has for us. That's why Paul was encouraging Timothy. We just read it. Read it. God has not given you a spirit of fear. 
The context with Timothy is that Timothy was a young pastor who was being called into something. And Paul was saying, Timothy, remember what you were called into. Remember what God called you to. I know stuff is hard. I know brothers and sisters are being martyred for their faith. I know I, Paul, am in prison right now. I know people in the church are being difficult. But Timothy, remember what God has called you into and don't let fear prevent you from walking in that. Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Don't be afraid of that. That is not from God. What is from God is boldness to step out and walk in what he's called you to. Walk in truth. Truth number three is that everything that brings us fear cowers in the presence of God. Why does it matter that God said to Israel, do not fear for I am with you? Why it matters is because God who is with us is bigger than any of the things that we could ever be afraid of. And all of those things cower in the presence of God. Jesus said, dude, don't fear people. And might I add, don't fear stuff or things or circumstances that can destroy your earthly life. Jesus is like, fear God who can destroy your body and soul in hell. It's like this. You're in a cave, right? Imagine yourself. You're in a dark cave at night. Can't see anything. And then you see these little, like, wolf eyes come to the front of the cave. You're like, dude, I'm done, right? You know it's hungry. <laughs> I don't know anything about nature. Just, but I know something about God. Just deal with me here. You're standing there, and there's, there's the wolf, and it's like, dude, I'm going I'm to get you, right? You're backing up. And it's like, all of a sudden, you hit something, and you turn around, and it's like a 10-foot grizzly. And you're like, I thought I was afraid of you. Whoa, I'm terrified right now. But then the grizzly is like, puts you behind his back. And is like, I got you. I got you. Right? We don't need to be afraid of this stuff. God, God is terrifying. He could do whatever he wants, and yet he chooses to not. God could destroy body and soul, Christian, but he chooses to not. Instead, he chooses to destroy that which is out to destroy us. That's what God does. I love how in the next chapter of Joshua, Rahab, who is hiding the Israeli spies, says to them in Joshua 2.9, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in the country are melting in fear because of you. Why? For we have heard how the Lord did thus and so. The people of God who were afraid or at least tempted to be have now become the object of their enemy's fear because of who God is and what he does. We don't need to be afraid because God is with us and the giants that we face melt in fear in his presence and because of him and even at the rumor, (laughs) even at the rumor of him. When God is for you, which he is, no one can stand against you. Did you know that you carry in you and upon you the presence of the very living God and that when you walk into a space that the atmosphere literally starts to change because God is residing in and upon you? That means that any other presence that is there that is contrary to God 
is like that wolf, like, just like running away, like a little whatever, something that runs away, right? That's what happens because of the presence of God. We walk in truth. Number two, we use our tools. When David was faced with Goliath, he found Goliath's exposed spot. And then he found the right tool to use against that. You know, Goliath would have been armed fully, his whole body in armor, except for one place, front of his face. So David found that exposed spot and went straight for it. Listen, fear has and is, maybe today for the first time for some of you, being exposed as a liar. Fear is being exposed. We're calling it out today, calling it out by name. Fear is being exposed. You need to call it out and use the tools God has given against you. Just like David called out Goliath's lie when he was like, you come and defy God? You cannot defy the God of God. You can't defy the God of the universe. You come, you, I'm going to speak truth to you. No. Right? I'm going to speak truth to you. No. He came and he spoke truth in the face of what Goliath was speaking, the lies that Goliath was speaking. The lie Goliath was speaking was, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I look scary, nobody can defeat me. But the truth was, no, 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 no. With the power of God, anything is possible. God has not given you a spirit of fear. You do not have to walk in it, but he's given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. He's given you tools to use. He has given you weapons to use to combat fear. Before David faced Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, it says that he went and he picked out five stones. He went and he chose five specific stones. He picked out the perfect stones that would be right for hitting the exposed part of the enemy. Listen, God has given us stones, guys. There are stones to combat fear. But 2 Corinthians 10 says that our stones, our weapons of our, our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical. They are mighty in God. They are mighty in God. They are spiritual, and they are for the demolition of strongholds. Our weapons are not physical. They're spiritual and mighty in God for tearing down strongholds. Are you being held back even this morning by fear or anxiety? Is fear holding you back from taking the land and walking fully in the power of presence, promises, or purpose of God. You have tools. You have weapons that are not physical. They're not of this world. You don't have to try to, you can stop trying to muster up and engineer your way to figure, like, how do I get through this? How do I get through this? I gotta, like, figure it out. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to try to figure it out. Our weapons are not of this world. They're not of the flesh. They're spiritual. And Scripture gives us a clue as to what those tools are. In Ephesians 6, when Paul is instructing believers to put on the full armor of God, he finishes by saying in verse 17 of Ephesians 6, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We use our tools, and tool number one is the Word of God. Fear is a liar. Scripture is truth. Lie, truth. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of specifically? Expose the lie. Say it out loud. Say, you don't have to do it right now, but say it out loud. Expose that lie. 
there is a scripture to hit it with. When it is exposed, there is a scripture that is truth to hit it with. Find it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. And then preach it to yourself. This also means that we are guarding our minds from lies and renewing our minds with truth. So what are you listening to? What are you feeding yourself with? Is it truth or is it lies? We use our tools. Tool number two is prayer. In the same breath as Paul saying that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, he says right after that, next breath, praying with all prayer and supplication. James 5.16 says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. It is mysterious, but prayer becomes an effective tool, even a weapon in the hand of the child of God. And God listens when we pray. We have all the access and authority that Jesus has to the Father because we are in him when we pray. And praying is both talking to God and hearing from God. It is a two-way street. And when we sit in this place where we are sitting in the presence of God through waiting on him in prayer and talking to him through prayer, we begin to become aware of his presence. And where his presence is, there's things like fullness of joy and there's everlasting peace. Things that begin to combat fear. And then we begin to understand and see truth as we sit in his presence in prayer, waiting on him and talking to him. And that truth begins to disarm the lies that fear tells us. And when we sit with him in his presence and we wait on him and we pray and we listen, all of a sudden everything starts to come into perspective. All of a sudden that thing that was so big is like, oh, little wolf, big bear, right? It all starts to like come into perspective. And it's like, oh, Wait, you're that huge, Lord? Wait, maybe you are big enough. Maybe I don't have to be afraid. Maybe you are the provider. Maybe you do have everything that I need. Prayer is a tool God has given us in the midst of fear. Tool number three is musical worship. The third tool we see in Scripture is worshiping through song. We don't have time to read it, but um, maybe later if you have time, read Second Chronicles chapter 20. There we see that the people of God are up against an impossible army. And they're like, Lord, we can't do it. He's like, yeah, I know you can't do it, which is a lot of life, right? Like, Lord, I can't do it. It's too scary. It's too, uh, it's too big, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I know. And he tells them this. Take your soldiers, put them in the back. And take the worshipers in song and put them on the front lines. And go out. And begin to praise. And as you do, I'm going to do what I do. And as they do, God does what he does. And he sends forth an ambush. And the enemy gets confused and begins to kill himself. I believe wholeheartedly that often choosing and singing specific songs can be like those stones that were in David's sling that he slung at Goliath. For him, it was a a sling and a stone. For me, often in my life, it has been like a, a string and a song. So we walk in truth. We use our tools. And thirdly, we give up control and abide. We give up control and abide. In these things we just spoke of, we do see an abiding here. 
But to fully abide, there is also an element of giving up control. There is a surrendering of ourself and a giving over to Jesus and pressing into Jesus. You can't say, Jesus says, right, he's Jesus over here. He's like, abide in me on the vine. Abide in me like a branch abides in the vine. You're going to bear much fruit. And you're like, but Lord, I'm just going to like do my own tree because I want to be in control. But can I just kind of like cruise over sometimes and get what I need from you? It doesn't work like that. You have to give up control to connect, to press in to Jesus. It is a giving up and pressing into Jesus. Not trying to walk in our own strength, but pushing ourselves into him. That is trusting in him, not ourselves. Relying on him, not our own plans. Looking to him for leading, for wisdom, for provision, for strength. But we fuel fear when we walk in self-reliance. We fuel fear when we walk in self-will and lack of trust in God and unwillingness to give up control. Guys, that is a huge one. We've been talking about it a little bit when we're talking about being filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. When we are unwilling to give up control, man, it's such a huge hindrance and wall to what God wants to do in our lives. Because he's the one who is in control. Like he's the one who's supposed to be in control. There's not, there's can't have two people driving at the same time. You gotta like give up. Jesus, take the wheel. A friend who's wrestled with anxiety his whole life said to me this week, but dude, when I'm 100% wrapped up in God, fear starts to go away and anxiety starts to dissipate. I haven't been healed yet. It still comes back and sometimes waves stronger than others. But when I'm wrapped up in God, it is like a distant enemy. And from this surrender to and intimacy with Jesus, we begin to bear fruit, right? That's what Jesus said. You abide in me and you will bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Spiritual fruit. The kind of fruit that Galatians 5 says. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and what? Peace. Peace, the great balm in the face of fear and anxiety. Peace. Peace still, calm. Placidity, calm in the face of fear. Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you. Not like the world tries to give you peace, but peace I live with you. So do not be troubled and do not be afraid. His peace is the great balm for us being afraid. This is the spirit that God has given us. This is the spirit of a sound mind. That ancient word that implies a calm, peaceful, self-controlled mind. And this is the fruit that comes from giving up control and abiding in Jesus. So we walk in truth. We use our tools. We give up control and abide. And lastly, we walk in the love and approval of of God. We walk in the love and we walk in the approval of God. 1 John 4 says that there is no fear in love, but perfect fear or perfect love drives out fear. The perfect love of God banishes all fear, and there is no room in God's love for fear. It banishes it. Jesus said, abide in my love. How do we abide in the love of God? Well, the love of God is already complete 
and full, and as John said, perfect. So we can't do anything to like make it more useful. It is already perfect. And we can't do anything to earn it. But in my own experience, we can do things to abide in it. And what I have found, the ways that I can abide in the love of God is simply by allowing God to love me. By allowing myself to be loved by God. To let God do what he wants to do by his love and through his love. That is, give up and let him pour out his love onto you. For me, that means that I, I, technically, I have to humble myself and recognize, dude, I don't have, I don't have it. I don't, I don't have what I need. Lord, you have what I need. I'm like humbling myself before you. It means that I humble myself. It means that I surrender control. I give up like, Lord, I need your love. I need you. And it means that I live in a posture of receiving. As if he was the initiator and I was the recipient. Which he is, by the way. Like a, a patient who is jacked up with disease or whatever inside. And the surgeon says, I know exactly what to do. And you put yourself in their hands and you say, Okay, put me out, put me under. And you go and do your work. That is how it is when we come to God and we just... Okay, Lord, do your thing in my life. That is the posture we have to take. Not for me has been how I am able to abide in the love of God. So we abide and walk in the love of God, and we walk in the approval of God. As beloved children, we are accepted and approved by God. And this is the same approval that Jesus had. And this is the fruit of the spirit of adoption that God has given us. Remember, we have not been given a spirit of bondage to fear, but we have been given a spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption is a spirit of approval. You need to know today that because you are in Christ, you have the same approval and acceptance as Christ. You are clean, pure, loved, accepted, and there's nothing that you can do to change it. Listen, I know how it feels to have screwed up, to have missed it. Just even recently in my life, feeling like God was like, Dom, don't do that. And I was like, I want to do that, Lord. I want to. Full on disobeyed God. I know what it's like to have screwed up and wonder if God's approval has left me because of my actions. But we must remember, friends, It was before Jesus did anything that the Father spoke from heaven after he was baptized and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Pleased? Why was God pleased with Jesus? Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Jesus hadn't started his ministry yet. He had done nothing. The Father wasn't pleased because of what he had or hadn't done. The father was pleased because he was his son. His approval and blessing rested upon him because of who he was, not what he did. And it's the same for me and you. Receive that today. Sons, daughters, receive that today. Walk in that. But man, when we begin to see ourselves as approved or not approved by God, 
according to our performance or lack of performance, then we begin to yoke ourselves once again to the bondage of fear. So we walk in truth, we use our tools, we give up control and abide, and we walk in the love and approval of God. That's what we do in the face of fear. And I'll start closing here. Here's the deal. God God chose a land that was good and spacious, flowing with milk and honey for the Israelites. It was what was perfect for them. Likewise, he has chosen stuff in our lives for us to walk in. But you only get to live in it and take possession of it if you step into it. If you walk in faith and not in fear. If you operate out of a place of faith in God instead of fear in all of the what-ifs. So I say to like, fear today, I just call it out and say, fear you don't get to say. Fear you don't get to choose in our lives. Fear you're, no. God, you get to choose. Lord, you get to choose. Listen, church, I don't want to be like the half-tribe of Manasseh who settled for staying on the eastern banks and being like, we'll just stay here, dude. Just stay here. All that time, all the 40 years, they got to the Jordan and they were like, I don't know what they were thinking. I'm afraid. It's too scary. There's giants, big river. I don't know. This is fine. They just settled. I don't want to be like the half-tribe of Manasseh who just settled. I don't want to give in to fear so that I don't walk in the things of God. What a pitiful life. You don't have to be a slave to fear. In fact, you're not. You are a child of God. And we have to confront that head on, guys, though, and call that out. Every scary movie goes like this. The people running the entire time from whatever the thing is that they're scared of. The whole movie is everybody running. And then how does the movie finally get resolved? They stop turn around, and they face it. All of Israel was scared. Of course they were. But they chose, some of them, to not operate from a place of fear, but instead a place of faith. Is it going to be hard? Yes. They were going to go in, and they were going to be in war. But God said, I've already given this to you, though. It's already yours, and I am with you. And I am with you. Is it going to be hard? Maybe. Is it going to be crazy? Maybe, but you have everything that you need. Isn't that what we've been seeing in this Holy Spirit series? People are confronted with situations where they are being called into something that is beyond themselves, and they need power and provision that is beyond themselves, and God shows up and fills them with the Spirit or anoints them by His Spirit, and they have everything that they need to face the situation that they're in. Guys, this is what is available to us by the Spirit. Sure, it might be hard. Yeah, you might feel inadequate. You might not feel strong enough. You might not feel wise enough or like you're old enough or like you're young enough. Like you don't have enough faith or experience. But God has two things to say for us. I'll finish with this. One, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what the foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world. What is viewed as nothing to bring nothing 
to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one may boast in his presence. And secondly, he says, it's not by power and it's not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. What are you, great mountain before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain. The necessary resource for God's work and calling is the Holy Spirit. So what land is God asking you to take in your life? And is fear holding you back from that land? Is fear holding you back from stepping out into faith? Is fear holding you back from embracing all that the Spirit of God has for you? Where you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God has not given you a spirit of fear, church, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So you don't have to be afraid. Amen? So I'm done, but um, I want to finish like this before we go into a second set of worship. From time to time, a story is revealed in our church body, somebody who's here, um, a story of, of God's goodness and faithfulness and power working in someone's life. And from time to time, we like to share those things. The Bible says that we ought to declare his deeds among the people. So uh, we're going to have somebody come up and share a story right now. Would you guys please welcome up our friend Shantae. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Romans 12, 12. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. My whole life, I lived with various walls and barriers to avoid getting close to people and letting people know my past. Growing up in a single-parent home that from the outside seemed loving, caring, genuine, and normal, but on the inside, everything was far from normal. I grew up with continual verbal, emotional, and psychological abuse. My life was consumed with OCD habits, numerous addictions, isolation, anger, resentment, depression, PTSD, panic attacks, and most of all, anxiety. Ironically, I used all of these things to try and fill the voids in my life that they themselves had created and to try and gain approval of everyone else around me, never once turning to Christ. Through my Nana, I always knew who God was and heard stories of what he did and his love for his sons and daughters, which made me eager to belong to something. I tried to go to churches and join youth groups as a child, but my mother feared judgment and people seeing the truth. So we only went two times a year, Easter and Christmas. As I got older, I figured after all I did in my life that I was never going to be quote-unquote good enough or quote-unquote Christian enough to belong to a church and that I was too broken to be a daughter of God. These patterns and habits that I spoke of turned me into needing to have absolute control of everything in my life, from jobs, education, finances, my health, friends, relationships. I thought if I controlled it, I would be happy and I would never get hurt again. Boy, was I wrong. The more I tried to control my life, the more out of control it became. Not only was I battling daily anxiety attacks and weekly night terrors, 
but I was overwhelmed with various health issues that had me in the doctor's office more times than I would like to remember. A little over two years ago, my life came to an all-time low when I finally walked away from the toxic relationship with my mom and brother. Feeling shattered, I didn't think life can get any worse. Not too long after that, I discovered the relationship I was in for three years was filled with years of deception, cheating, and lies, and everyone knew about it but me. I was completely broken and shattered. Late one night, driving home after getting stuff from my ex's house, I tried to take my life. In that moment, God stepped in and saved me. I got home, and the shock set in, and I had the worst panic attack I'd ever experienced. I cried out to God and swore I would give him my life. In that moment, a Bible I had in my room fell to the floor. I picked it up, and slowly my breathing calmed, and I felt a warmth in my heart I never knew. A few days later, I went to reality, terrified everyone would know what I did. Dom was preaching about forgiveness and removing toxicity from your life. And at the end, when he asked people to get prayer, I felt he was talking directly to me because I don't remember seeing anyone else around. I walked to the front seeking prayer, and I was told, I can only pray for you if you can pray for yourself. Speak to God like you would a long-lost friend. After prayer, I broke down crying on the carpets, and I felt a weight lifted. God broke my first wall down, resentment and unforgiveness. One year later, I decided to finally get baptized and take that next step in my faith. I knew in that moment I was a born-again Christian and the Holy Spirit was living in me. However, though many walls kept coming down in my life, there were still walls and aspects of my life I couldn't let go. Roughly mid-May of this year, I was becoming overwhelmed with everything, and thanks to the encouragement of some pretty amazing people, I walked into Wednesday night prayer knowing I needed God but I was also scared to give up control. Despite my reservations that night after prayer, Katie and Anna prayed with me and over me, and for the first time ever, I truly cried out to God. It was that ugly, snot-filled, hardly being able to breathe cry, and I cried out, God, I give you control of my health, my anxiety, and my life. We prayed for well over an hour, and at the end, I felt a warmth on my body be anything I, beyond anything I can ever attempt to describe. That was two months ago, and since that day, I haven't had one anxiety attack, not one night terror, and my health issues that had me on a strict regime of medicine and food restrictions due to, due to allergies are gone. I literally couldn't eat gluten without having my skin get covered in hives, nauseating headaches, my throat getting itchy and irritated, and my stomach swelling double its size in excruciating pain. But since that day, I have been able to eat all the bread and gluten with no reactions. I no longer have to let medicine, food allergies, fear, anxiety, or anything else control my life. Praise God. After that night, I wasn't exactly sure how to explain what happened. I just knew God was healing my body, mind, and soul. And then Dom preached on being baptized with the Holy Spirit and explained that one of the hindrances of receiving the fullness of God can be an unwillingness to give up control. I realized at that moment that is exactly what had happened. I gave control to God, and the Holy Spirit came upon me in power and changed everything. My prayer for any and everyone here is that if you have a wall in your life, no matter what it may be, cry it out to God and give him control. For he is a good father, and he will always provide. 
may you all experience the glory of not only having the Holy Spirit living in you, but on you, filling you to overflowing. Thank you for letting me share with you today. God bless. So that's our God, right? That's just like what he, what he does. She didn't have some magical prayer or like magical in with God. Katie and Anna didn't have some magical words. That's just what God does. But notice that there was like a partnership there as there always is with God. There was a need for her to like, all right. Like this, just full, okay, Lord, I'm giving up control. And that in tandem with him just showing up in power, she's been eating bread for two months. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going uh, to pray, and, and then we're going to go into the second set right now, which is a time where we respond to what God is speaking to us. That's what the second set of worship is designed for. And here's what I want to do today, guys. I don't want people leaving here today without getting prayed for like she was prayed for. Because God is a God who heals. And it is not the will of God that his kids are in bondage. Not the will of God. So I don't know how and when God heals and why. I know sometimes in his sovereignty that he chooses to say, wait, I'm going to wait. I don't know. But I do know that when we ask anything according to the will of God, we have that thing for which we ask, and it is not the will of God that his kids are in bondage to fear or anything else for that matter. So I'm going to pray in a second, and then here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you're in here today and you're like, dude, that's me. I just, I want to be like free from that fear in any level. I want to be free from fear and anxiety in this place today in my life. I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute. I know that that even alone might create some fear and anxiety in you. But listen, it is right and good when we expose it. Us standing up is being like, yeah, we're just calling it out, right? Us standing is being like, yeah, it's there. Just like Goliath's face was exposed and David hit him with that stone right here. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask the people around you to lay hands on you and, and pray. Lord, You who, the, who you set free, you set us free indeed. Not free for a little bit, not free partially, but free indeed. Fully, completely, forever. You are a deliverer God. All the way back in the book of Exodus, we see it. That's what you do. You deliver people from bondage. You deliver your people from bondage. Lord, and I don't know how it works, but I know that we can be freed from our sin and your kids and still like start putting back on that yoke of our flesh and even the enemy. And I know you want to set people free from that today. So we ask, Lord, that you would just begin to come right now. You would begin to show these people, my brothers and sisters, that you're better that you're bigger, that you're worthy of trusting, that you'll meet them. 
but you'll give them everything they need. So if that's you today, I don't know if it's like one person or two people or 50, but why don't you go ahead and just stand up, and we don't have to look around. This isn't an altar call or something. If that's you, though, why don't you just stand up, and you're saying, God, I... Giving up control. As surrendered as I can be, I am. I'm coming to you with my arms down or just even putting them behind my back, like, Lord, or my arms up. Just, I want to come to you vulnerable, Lord. Giving up control. Asking you to come in power. If there's somebody standing around you and you're a Christian, full of the Spirit, why don't you stand up? Put your hand on them, on their shoulder, their back. The Bible says that those who are suffering in some way, for us to lay hands on them and to pray. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer first. And then, Christian, you have the power of God. Just because I'm a pastor and I have a microphone doesn't mean that I have necessarily any special words. You have the spirit and power of God. So after I pray... Why don't you just take a few minutes, if you're led, to um, continue praying, and then we'll just, we'll be singing while you're doing that, and uh, feel free to even move around the room, like, dude, there's this person over there, I know they're struggling with this, I want to go pray for them. That's what this time is for. Laying hands now on those who are standing. Just say to you, brothers and sisters, God has not given you a spirit of fear. And if you are under a spirit of fear, that is not of God. So we just call that out right now for what it is. We expose it for what it is. God has given you his Holy Spirit, not a spirit of fear, not a fear spirit, a Holy Spirit. So we ask the Lord that anything that is contrary to the Holy Spirit in this place and in every life in here today would right now be shut up and shut down. And that any chains of any kind right now would be broken in Jesus' name. And if there is any kind of foul spirit of fear, like an actual that kind of a demonic, not a kind of, a demonic spirit of fear that's just holding people's minds and hearts captive. Just say to you in Jesus' name, you're not allowed here. You're not allowed in these lives. These are the children of God. You must leave and you must never come back. We ask Holy Spirit that you would flood this place with your peace and your power. You would fill us for those who have not been baptized with the Spirit yet, we ask, Lord, that you would fall upon them now. And the chains right now would be broken in Jesus' name. People would be set free.